Hi guys, it's Kara, host of Everyone's Business But Mine. And let's be real, one thing that makes the show possible is by selling sponsorships to advertisers. One way you can support us in getting more sponsors is by telling us a little bit more about yourself. You can do that by filling out a quick survey at the link in the show description. Plus, your answers are anonymous. They'll help us learn what you love most about the show and how to make it even better. The questions will ask you about the things that help advertisers understand the audience. It'll only take a few minutes, and it's an easy way to help the show. So you can find the link in the show description. Thank you so much, and stay tuned for the rest of the show. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. So you hung up the phone on me, yes, right? Yes, we talked about okay. it. And okay. And I apologize. And you apologize. What other issue have you had since that? Well, let me think for a second. I'll wait. Sonia, <laughs> you cannot handle, can you? So just, oh, girl, you setting yourself up. Now I do have a real question. Hi everyone, welcome to another episode of Everyone's Business But Mine with me, Kara Berry. Back again with our pop culture roundup slash Real Housewives of Atlanta recap. I'm panicking a little bit because Real Housewives of Atlanta has not aired yet. And so I'm kind of wondering if I'm going to actually recap it. It's anyone's guess at this point. That's the fun of, of podcasting is that like it's we're in an adventure right now. Like who's to say what the future might hold? I might not recap Atlanta at all. But in this moment, there is hope. And where there's hope, there's something. I don't know. Um, anyway, let's talk about what's happened this week in the world of pop culture. Uh, before we actually get into it, though, you know, once again, got to tell you guys, I was honored to be on another podcast. You know him, you love him. I'm sure you follow him if you're a Housewives fan on Instagram. Kai at The Real Housewives Orders on Instagram um, has a Patreon. And he had me on. We talked about what was going on with the Housewives that week. What was going on in the Bravo world. Uh, You know, he has a rating system that's absolutely incredible. We're starting off with like at uh, one through five of Eva legs. Okay. That's the sort of the genius that we're working with. And we talked about our roses and our thorns and all of that. And it was such a fun conversation. And Kai's going to be on pretty soon. We're going to be talking sister wives at some point and sister wives will be back in just a few weeks. As you know, I'm thrilled. Um, so yeah, definitely check out his Patreon. I will link that in the episode description. And let's get on with the show. I just wanted to recommend you guys, because y'all know I'm a documentary slut, okay? Um, HBO Max has a documentary, uh, a new documentary about Princess Diana, and I'm sure, much like most of you guys, like, truly, one thing about me is I will watch every Princess Diana documentary. I will. It doesn't matter if it's the same regurgitation of the same damn thing. I'm going to watch it and I'm going to love it. But I will say that this documentary was really unique, unique and interesting. And I really, really liked it. It's not like something that I could really speak about at length because it's different from a traditional documentary in the sense that it's basically all footage. 
There's no interviews of anybody. There's no like people looking back on what um, they thought at the time. It's actually like more special in a way because the only thoughts and feelings that we get are of people doing like man on the street interviews or whatever in England at the time, which is a lot more honest than people lovingly looking back on a situation decades after the fact, you know, like our memory is a very um, interesting thing. So, uh, so many of you blokes need to go straight to hell for what they thought and the things that they said about that poor woman. Okay. But it, like I said, it's like basically all footage starting from when the rumors were heating up about uh, she and Charles getting engaged to her death and just the way they did it was interesting. So if you're somebody who, like me, loves a documentary about Princess Diana, I think this is one of the they really found like a really interesting way to um, tell the story. And I thought it was really, really good. So check that out on HBO Max. And um, guys, another <laughs> speaking of other tragedies in love, um, not one, but now two of our love is blind Chicago couples have called it quits. Last week, uh, at the very end of my episode with Rachel and Desi from Hollywood Crime Scene, we uh, recapped Seeking Sister Wife. We talked about, because they had last been on the podcast to talk about Love is Blind, about uh, Ayana and Jarrett announcing their divorce. Um, So not all of you listened to the episode, but I highly recommend that you do. Those are some really great girls. They're so funny and they're such a delight to talk to. Even if you don't um, typically listen to the episodes, I would recommend it. It was a good, good fun time. Um, But yeah, if you guys don't remember, Jarrett was the guy who was kind of waffling back and forth between Ayana and uh, Mallory. He put himself out there with Mallory first. She Kind of was like, uh, thanks, but no thanks. I'm going to put you in the friend zone. And so then he went to Ayana and she at first was like, I don't know if this is a great idea. I'm feeling real second place here. But then they decided to make it work. They pushed through and they got married. But yeah, they announced in a joint Instagram statement that they are officially getting divorced, put at their location as minding our business, which as I noted, um, is not going to be happening because frankly, we as Netflix subscribers paid for that wedding and paid to know the ins and outs of that wedding. And so the relationship. So then we deserve to also be privy to why you guys are breaking up, but it was just announced just a couple of hours ago that Danielle actually filed for divorce from Nick sweaty, weird, creepy Nick and incredibly insecure. Ooh, don't know what's going on with her head on the bathroom floor because she was sick from whatever the hell on their, uh, uh, vacation. Danielle, what a shit show of a couple. (laughs) Is anybody surprised that they broke up? No. Are we surprised that Danielle is the one who filed? I kind of am because I really thought that if anybody was going to break that whole thing up, it was, it was him. A lot of you guys, when I announced it on Instagram were like, thank God that man's a total creep. He was going to murder her. (laughs) I don't know why I'm laughing. Um, but I actually think that she might be creepier. Like there's something, he has nice guy syndrome and that is, there is an inherent creepiness to that. Like the guy who's just like, Oh, you know, I maybe uh, didn't have a date to homecoming or, you know, he was a little chubby and so he got friend zoned and now he lost the weight. And now he's just like this late blooming, cute, nice guy who is just like so innocent and sweet. And then you find out there's something sinister and beneath underneath that. And then he keeps sweating and, you know, the illusion's gone. So frankly... Even with all of that being said, I still thought Danielle might have been the more um, unwell of the two. Frankly, um, certainly a dynamic person. Do you guys remember her mother? <laughs> Ooh, what a piece of work she was. Um, so 
apparently I had not been keeping up with their relationship, but apparently in the article that I read, they, and by they, I mean, Danielle had been talking about how they were thinking about going along the baby track. (laughs) So to go from like baby to I'm like really going down to the courthouse to file papers. That seems like a Danielle move to me, you know, to just go from like literally like a hundred to zero, really. <laughs> what a wild story. Do we think that uh, we're about to get Love is Blind season three and what's happening with Married at First Sight is not what's happening with them because they're the same production team. Usually as a Married at First Sight aficionado, they, if they have couples that are divorcing or about to break up, they usually kind of make them hold off on announcing that until the new season's either about to begin or has just begun because they, you know, they want to like sweep that under the rug that yet another couple has failed to make it. Um, so I am feeling like this is what's happening. I feeling like we're gearing up for love is blind season three, but actually remind me did we get yet another like where are they now special from season one before they aired season two i feel like there were two recap specials and i'm wondering if maybe we're gonna yeah maybe that one's coming up before we get season three that would be my guess they filmed season three like it's been in the can so we should be getting it soon because i think it was wrapping up around the same time as season three so i don't know you guys like is anybody surprised truly actually some of you guys were surprised about ayana and jared many of you guys actually were surprised and i would like to unpack that but like yeah they seemed cute and all of that Eh, you know you know what i mean anyway love is dead love is blind love Love is patient. Love is temporary. (laughs) I think that's what we're all finding out. All right, moving on. The Hollywood Reporter put out a really, uh, I don't even know what the word for it would be, informative piece on Wendy Williams. And it basically details how everything kind of broke down and where we are now. And it's sad, you guys. It's really sad. I'm going to talk about some of the highlights, but damn, it's like, I would encourage you guys to just read the whole thing, but here we go. Uh, So it starts off by saying that behind the scenes, Wendy was unraveling leading up to the season 13. Um, They start the article by saying that there was a meeting planned a meeting plan that wendy was going to make an announcement to sort of reassure the staff and crew that everything was fine she was excited about season 13 and you know whatever rumors swirling about her not being well were wrong she was excited they were rearing to go right um basically things go rapidly downhill from there because they had people like two member two executives come to her apartment they were like getting up to do this recording and like minutes leading up to it uh things quickly decline the call begins wendy's not making sense it's getting awkward and what should have been like a whole big inspiring the crew speech ended up being like a few minutes of disaster before they shut everything down and things just go from bad to worse from there. Um, it says that everybody on the staff and crew witnessed all sorts of things. And there were people who were on the record, people who were off the record, according to two people during the four year period that they were on staff, producers sent pre-show text messages to higher ups at the company, questioning Wendy's sobriety on at least 25 separate occasions. Those at the top would then have to make an ultra quick judgment call and whether or not to go live at 10 a.m., which sources say, which typically was complicated by the fact that Wendy would insist that she was fine. In some of those instances, the episode in question was a second taping of the day, which means that it wouldn't wear air until later that week. So typically, like, these talk shows air two shows on Thursday, so they're, like, off Friday, Saturday, Sunday, right? Well, that's what they're saying. Like, the those two-a-day days 
would be, they would give them a little bit more wiggle room because usually that was going to be a Friday show and then they could make that judgment call. But there were a lot of times where it was just like up to the minute live, whether or not it would air or not, which seems real tenuous. I mean, I, y'all know I love Wendy, but unfortunately a lot of the things that I'm reading are like, it kind of does seem like, And I really want to side with her and I'm like hesitating to even say that, but it does kind of sound like they gave her a long, long rope, a long, um, there was a lot of patience on the executive's side with the network and stuff. People were really trying seemingly for the very last minute for her to get it together and it just didn't happen. And it's just really, really sad. So it goes on to say that on those like 25 occasions, or rather of those 25 occasions, all but one of them were deemed okay. So there were 25 red flags, 24 of them went to air, one of them ended up getting scrapped. That happened in the spring of 2021. They ended up uh, airing a a, a rerun instead. So then one of the sources goes on to say that staffers would find bottles of alcohol in the ceiling tiles and other weird places in her office. Um, They did reach out to Wendy to comment on this article. She declined. However, she did have a spokesperson say that it's been no secret that Wendy has battled addiction over the years, but at this time, Wendy's on the road to recovery and is healing herself from her chronic illnesses and her grievances of the past. Isn't that interesting? Her grievances of the past. Um, Asked about incidents involving her physical and mental health, uh, the spokesperson goes on to say they declined to comment on the specifics, but they said, what we do know is that Wendy has a history of chronic illness that she has publicly spoken about. Um, So we're talking like summer of 2021 is the timeline that we're working with leading up to season 13. So in summer of 2021, Wendy was in and out of the hospitals. She was in and out of doctor's care, according to multiple sources. They didn't want to talk about her public, her health publicly, but I mean, it's on here. So it seems like they didn't want to put their name in speaking publicly about her health. Um, many initially assumed substance abuse was solely to blame, but Per those same sources, it became clear that there were other health issues at play. Soon, Williams, who has been open about her battles with Graves' disease um, and lymphedema, she was being whisked from one expert to the next, and as medical professionals tried to figure out what was causing symptoms like nonlinear speech, brain fog, memory, memory loss, and even hallucinations, to this day, we still don't know truly what the issue is. Um, so then, you know, there are all of these paparazzi photos and, uh, footage of Wendy seeming, you know, um, not exactly there. And there were reports that she had been hospitalized for a psych evaluation. And so the team, the team at Wendy Williams show, the Wendy Williams show were like, okay, I think now we're going to have to do something. But then she got COVID. So it was kind of like a blessing and a curse in that they were running up to the deadline of the show and we're like, fuck, we're going to have to like pause this. I don't, you know, obviously not, nobody should be getting COVID, but like, it was like, okay, well now we have an excuse that we don't have to now talk about all of the other stuff. You know what I mean? Like we got something. So it's September, there's two weeks, there's another two weeks, and I actually tried to get tickets. I actually did get tickets to this, um, during this time. And then they were like, oh, Wendy got COVID, um, you know, we're on pause. So I went to reschedule and, um, actually me and my friend Shira got tickets. So we went to reschedule and then like the article says, they're like, oh, we're going to have to reschedule again. And then they started doing all of these guests. And I really think that the first guest was either Jerry O'Connell or Michael. No, I think it was Michael Rappaport. And I was like, no, thank you. That's enough for me. Third time is the opposite of what a charm is. Pass. So the special guests come in and it's like months. They're getting now to November around Thanksgiving. 
Wendy goes down to Florida to be with her family and basically goes MIA. They're trying to call her, get a hold of her, figure out what she's thinking, where she's at. And it, no answer. Phone's just ringing and ringing. They don't even know if she has, like, if that's even her phone. If, if she has a phone, if she has a number anymore, they have no idea. Months go by. Finally, two executives get a phone call from her in, like, they say either late March, late February, early March. And so she calls them like, um, I want my phone, my uh, show back. Because now rumors are coming out that the show's getting canceled. So she's like, what's going on? They're like, girl, we haven't heard from you in months. <laughs> we had to make a decision. So they decided to cancel the show. Um, so they tell her, we should have made a decision in November, but then we pushed it to January or February. And by then it was like, we either make a decision or lose the time slot. So Wendy says, so what's going to air at 10 o'clock? And they're like, well, Sherry Shepard's getting your show. She's going to be air at 10. So then she asks if she can go on at 11 and say, hey, we would love to do that. We'd love to work with you. There are, you know, add people who are still interested. Like the money's still there. Um but we're going to need you to let us know that you're okay. You're going to need to do some sort of cycle, psych evaluation, mental health evaluation, report us back, report back to us and let us know. And according to this article, that never happened. They don't know if she didn't do it at all. They don't know if she did it and didn't like the results. The article says that they kind of think that maybe she did it and was like, oh, I can't. And basically that's just been what's happening from there. The saddest part about that, honestly, is that they said that that conversation about her getting the show back happened over the course of four months, but that each time they had this conversation, it was like Wendy was having the conversation for the very first time over and over again for months that's very concerning, you know, that's, that's really, really concerning. Oh, and it's very sad. Um, I talked about her on my ask me anything. And I talked about how she now has a new manager and that guy seems to actually really care about her. I'm like gonna walk that back maybe 30%. I didn't know that this man was like a jeweler. <laughs> Apparently his real profession is a high end jeweler, but he does say, um, what does he say? Sorry. <laughs> they met through he a DJ that they know like five or six years ago. And they have been thick as thieves ever since then. So he basically says that he's the one who really wants her to think about what's next. Her post Wendy Williams career. Then he says, I do genuinely care about Wendy, even if other people seem to doubt me. I know everybody thinks that we're all trying to take advantage of her. And what I don't understand is, don't I look rich? Why would I come into Wendy's life to take advantage of her? I don't have the time for that. So no one's trying to make her do anything that she doesn't want to do. She wants to work right now. And I'm the one saying, hey, Wendy, let's wait. Let's assess. And if you really feel 100% ready, then let's do it. He is um, kind of the one who's heading up Wendy going hopefully into the podcast realm. And they've, you know, that's been in talks for quite some time, but the interviews that she has been doing, which are few and far between are not inspiring a lot of confidence, you know? And I just feel so bad. It's such a, you know, a lot of people will say that, you know, you reap what you sow. Wendy talks shit about people in a, bad way for years and maybe she deserves this but people don't say that about Howard Stern you know they don't say that about Ellen even as she's actively reaping what she's sowing you know like people don't say oh this is what she deserved like people don't really say what not not the majority of people do not feel like Ellen should have her show canceled because she was bad a bad human being who treated people poorly i don't think people really feel that way like howard stern has a horrific decades-long history of being i would say inarguably significantly worse 
than Wendy ever was. Not that we all need to compare and, you know, I think we get into this cycle now of being like, oh, well, this person did that. And so, you know, like, the whataboutism. And, you know, I just did it. And I really don't like it when it happens, so I should find a different way. But uh, I do feel like people really come for her, but they don't feel that way about Howard Stern and that's just a fact. Like, if people, if Howard Stern lost his job at, like, wherever he's at, serious or whatever, because people made accusations about him, they would be like, what a legacy. What a loss. You know? But people really go in on Wendy, and I just, you know, whether it's fair or not, let's just be fair across the board. And that's all I'm going to say. This is great news. That I'm about to talk about next. Um, but for a petty reason. <laughs> for a very petty reason. I'm not going to lie to you guys. Uh, People Magazine announced that the Real Housewives of Potomac star, one Robin Dixon and her former husband, uh, Juan Dixon, have gotten their marriage license. They attained it, obtained it on Thursday afternoon, according to the Howard County clerk's office in Maryland. Um, no, uh, date on whether or not they're actually going to get married. However, per the policy of the clerk's office, you, a couples with a marriage license must wait at least two days after applying for the marriage license to get married. So they got it on Thursday. They they could be married right now if they want to. They Saturday, they could have gotten married, hypothetically. Um, but it does have an expiration date of February of 2023. So we're looking at a wedding maybe sometime between now and February. You know, is Robin one to rest on her laurels? Yes. She had a whole storyline about it. How she, um, you know, looks deadlines right in the face and says, you know what? I'm going to take a nap. And hey. Who amongst us? I, trust me, I'm nobody to be judging that, okay? <laughs> However, um, I'm curious about this. I'm, I'm really, really curious. I think it's interesting that we haven't uh, heard anything uh, about their wedding. And I'm also wondering, like, the timing of this is very interesting to me because people have been making jokes recently about how long it's been. How, how long have they been engaged at this point? Three years? something like that. Um, how long it's been and all the things that have happened in this world since Robin and Juan have gotten reengaged. And I'm wondering if maybe that lit the fire under their asses. I, I don't know. I don't know. But the timing is interesting. It's fun to think about. Now, of course, like, am I really excited about them getting married? Not really. Like, mazel. But the thing that's funny to me is all these Michael Darby jokes. Michael Darby's down so bad. The year of 2022 has been horrific to him. He has lost his wife and now his boyfriend. <laughs> and that really makes me laugh. Like, a lose for Michael Darby is a win for the universe. And you have to agree about that. You know what I mean? So congratulations to everybody. To all of us. Every single one of us. We earned this. Moving on to our girl of the week, month, year, podcast, Alec Baldwin. What the fuck, dude? What the fuck? We're going to start back with a, a post from Hillary back in late July. This bitch loves to make herself the victim. She really, truly does. They, she acts like, I love a, a, a Bonnie and Clyde couple, you know, an us against the world we're just like two crazy kids in love and like people may not understand it. And the haters are going to hate, um, but we're going to shake it off. Taylor Swift. Okay. And our love is like so much deeper because of it. And she is the most shallow, deep person I've ever had the pleasure, displeasure, whatever you want to call it, of making acquaintance with. So she wrote on Instagram, I think this was July 28th. To enter your world and to become your person has been both a joy and an eye-opening experience. I am forever grateful. Every day. This is a picture, a black and white picture of them. Oh, God. Um, so then she goes on to say, the darker part is seeing behind the curtain at, some, at how some of this 
quote unquote business can function and the blows and sacrifices that someone in the public eye takes for speaking up for what they believe and helping others. Has Alec Baldwin helped you recently? Any of you? Any of you listening? Has he spoken up to say anything of relevance? Has he done really anything to help anybody except for Woody Allen a couple months ago? And I didn't talk about this on the podcast, but he had the nerve to be like, hey guys, Alec Baldwin, noted uh, movie set shooter. You guys want to hear somebody I'm going to have a one-on-one in-depth conversation with so you can really uh, get into the mind inside this man? Woody Allen, ever heard of him? Huh? What? I mean, this like, sir, sir, ma'am, ma'am and sir, if this is what you're talking about, you know, the blows and sacrifices, you didn't have to interview Woody Allen on Instagram live, bitch. Nobody made you do that. That was your choice. That's your friend. That is your friend. And if we have comments on that, then sorry. I mean, I don't know what to tell you. It's like, you can't be surprised that in 2022, people don't fuck with Woody Allen. I think we've made that abundantly clear. (laughs) Right? And so if you're like, hey, I'm still hanging out with him. You get what you get, girl. You get what you get. And you don't get upset. Anyway, Alec did an interview with CNN the other day, and it was like pity party central. He is talking about how he just got fired from another job, and he says, There I was, all set up to go to a movie, jump on a plane. I've been talking with these guys for months, and they told me yesterday, we don't want to do the film with you because of this. Meaning the shooting. Meaning him shooting somebody dead. Helena Hutchins. Um, So then he goes on to say that he's fearing for his life because... Apparently, Trump said that he feels like uh, Alec shot Helena on purpose, which, like, girl, nobody thinks that. Nobody thinks. We're having an issue with the fact that you said you didn't shoot her when you did. Nobody thinks you did it on purpose. We just think it's weird that you keep saying you didn't do it at all. You did. But anyway, he says that the stress of these Trump supporters going after him have taken years off of his life. Like, really, let's let that pull quote sink in. You're complaining about you losing a job and some like weird ass, whack ass Trump supporters uh, tweeting you probably. And and have the years being taken off of your life. But all of this is stemming from the fact that you took somebody's life, albeit unintentionally, her life is gone. So you were 65 years old, older than she will ever have been. And you're talking about how maybe, theoretically, you're so stressed out because some weirdo is tweeting at you that it's taken years off. Well, nobody feels sorry for you, Sarah. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a -a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. This episode is sponsored by BetterHelp. As we all know, when it comes to everyone's business, I like to mention it all, but when it comes to mine, I like to keep things a little bit closer to the chest. But that method doesn't always work when it comes to your mental health, and we all need a way to purge and get it out. Therapy is a safe space to do that and to figure out how to work through whatever's weighing you down by learning positive coping skills and all the tools you need to help you be the best version of yourself. 
BetterHelp is entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. So you can just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist, and you can switch therapists at any time for no additional charge. So get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash everyone's business today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash everyone's business. Like, can can you imagine that being your mom and hearing some him say that? Like, the years that have been taken off of his life because of this? I would go to the West Village and I would get some years taken off of my life. I'll tell you that right now. And I would do it willingly. Like, never. That is beyond. Like, of all of the weird and disgusting things he said about this situation, it just keeps getting worse. And I feel like... I've been thinking that he's just going to continue and spiral out and spiral out and spiral out. And that seems to be what's happening and it's not good. And now they got baby number seven on the way and what they, what the hell are they going to do now? What the hell are we going to do now? Alec goes on to say that there are just this torrent of people attacking me who don't know the facts. And if I didn't have my wife, I don't know where I would be right now. If I didn't have her, I probably would have quit, retired, gone off, you know, sold everything I owned, got a house in the middle of nowhere and just, you know, did something else to do. Sell real estate. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) What I'm hearing is that you still would have been alive, right? So... Like, I don't, like, what does he want from us? Like, he really needs to talk to, like, a real therapist. Not something that Hillary has recommended. Like, a real one who's going to sit him down and be like, bro, deal with this in a real way. Because the way that you're dealing with it, like, is not sustainable. At all. And with that, I just want to talk about the last thing, which, as you guys know, I am a Bama Rush head. But I know that there are a lot of you guys who have no idea what words just came out of my mouth. So if you guys don't know, there is a TikTok sensation that's been going on for the past couple of years in which the young and bright of the University of Alabama, Panhellenic hopefuls, um, give go on camera and give their outfits of the day. Um, and it's a week long process as they go through the rush week, right? There are stars. There are girls that we're rooting for. Um, You know, there's drama. People are getting dropped from their houses. People are getting what they, exactly what they wanted. Stars are being made. Brand deals are being inked. And the whole thing is just like a week long. It's like Mardi Gras for me. It's like my personal Mardi Gras. (laughs) Um, But it was just announced. There have been, there had been rumors that there was going to be a documentary and it's official. Apparently it is going to be in partnership with HBO Max, which HBO Max is pretty clearly not going to be existing anytime or, you know, in the near future. So I'm not really sure where it's going to be going, but, uh, yeah, they have been, it's going to be produced by Vice Studios, and, yeah, it's going to be, it was confirmed on uh, a New York Times story. The director is a woman named Rachel Flight, who said that the documentary will be sensitive towards the women rushing rather than exploitative, and she says this is a this film will be a thoughtful and compassionate portrayal of young women in 2022 as they rush the sorority system at the university of Alabama. Um, here's my thing. I don't, we don't need this. <laughs> like we just got to let some things be what they are and just move on. And then maybe we'll circle back to it next year. Not everything needs to be a documentary. And this is coming from somebody who loves a documentary about anything and everything. I just don't think we need this. I just think, like, let it exist on TikTok as this thing, and then they can get their Lululemon um, sponsorships and keep it pushing. We don't need a documentary. For what? For what? (laughs) Nothing Nothing about the process is interesting to me. And nobody, the TikTok is not interesting. The TikToks are not popping off because of, we're interested about the actual Panhellenic process. We just want to see these girls and what the new talent is. That That's me at least. So I just don't think it's necessary, but I will be watching and I will probably talk about it on my Patreon. So anyway, um, with that, you guys, let's move on to our Real Housewives of Atlanta recap. 
next time on The Real Housewives of Atlanta. Stop. We are not moving on until I tell you what happened with me and Candy at the airport. Everyone says that KFC chicken is the bomb in Jamaica compared to the States. The smell alone is just, ooh. And I'm walking to the bathroom, and I have to pass by her, and I smell that Kentucky Fried Chicken. <laughs> so I had to. You better be glad I like chicken. Because I'm mad at your ass. Can I get a wing, please? Just just suck it up and just stop being angry. So that's how Candy and I made up over the heated argument in Jamaica. I will stick to not going below the belt with her again if she does not go below the belt with me. Cheers to new beginnings. Okay, so this episode, Blake, wasn't a landmark episode of Real Housewives of Atlanta, but I made a promise and we're going to talk about it anyway. Before we get into that, though, I don't really have like a whole lot of, I don't really have any fully formed thoughts on this whole situation. I would just like to let you guys know and maybe suggest that you keep half a side eye on Lisa Rinna's uh, social media presence as of late. To me, something's going on behind the scenes. To me, I think this might be the first time that Rinna is genuinely scared that she is not going to be signed on for next season and she's acting accordingly. And the accordingly is bad. The acting, terrible terrible. I don't know what's going on with her, but just something's weird. Again, I don't have a fully formed opinion because frankly, I don't, Rinna's like a non-factor for me. She's like a, like Garcelle described Teddy, like a gnat, just there, uh, like a gnat who wears aviators and a wig and screeches a lot, like a very loud screeching gnat. Um, I actually saw a video the other day that reminded me of what Troy of Dunzo and Beyond the Blind said about Danielle Staub, which is that in her first seasons, Danielle, like the rest of the ladies are on The Real Housewives of New Jersey. However, Danielle is in a uh, sexual thriller and she's acting accordingly. And I'm this girl on TikTok said that she, and I've been thinking this, it feels like Lisa Rinna is using this as the improv acting role of a lifetime. And she's just living in the moment and saying, yes, and. And I think if you've been to an improv show, you know how painful that is to have to experience. You know what I mean? And that's what I'm experiencing at this point. I'm experiencing the cringe of watching somebody in their first year of an improv class and this is like the last one and you're lip syncing for your life because you got to make it into like this is the audition kind of for to get you into year two this is what I feel is happening like she's just doing a lot and it's not sticking for me it's all on the ground and I don't love it I don't love it and this isn't even like (sighs) the problem with Beverly Hills Twitter is what which is what I call like the Beverly Hills fans on social media is that they feel such a ownership or something. They take it so personally, the Real Housewives of Beverly Hills. And I think they do that because, frankly, wouldn't you, if your favorite franchise was a flop, you know, you just keep having to make excuses. It's like the shitty boyfriend. You're like, oh, you know, you just don't understand his humor. It's like, no, it actually just sucks. And you're just trying to, like hang on to this flop anyway um where was I going with that I think I just wanted to complain about Beverly Hills social media again oh the people will act like um not having Rinna on is like oh be careful what you wish for because uh you're gonna miss out on the action and I'm past that point like it's not even entertaining to me I don't even know how people are entertained by her behavior at this point. And I actually saw a TikTok right before I hopped on this of Lisa Rinna. And she was talking about subtweeting somebody on the cast. I'm just going to assume it's probably Garcelle and Sutton because who else would it be? Um, It was basically like, I think that, um, you know, in past years, I was a lot meaner. Basically suggesting that like these people, whoever she's talking about are are too sensitive or maybe we are, the audience are too sensitive now. Um, The comments, you guys, 
<laughs> or just like uh, Euroflop, Garcelle and Sutton are carrying this show. What what are you doing? <laughs> I saw, I scrolled very quickly, but only one of them was like, I'm rooting for you, girl. <laughs> she knows her days are numbered. She does. And I'm, I'm glad to see it because she's going out bad. This is not cute. Anyway, let's get into the latest episode, our last days in Jamaica over at the Real Housewives of Atlanta. We pick up from last week where Ross has stood up from the table in defense of Sonia uh, from Kenya and Sheree going after her about being uninvited to this iFit thing to simply sell them, tell them to, you know, chill the fuck out. And then he immediately walked away from the table. Atlanta really all the housewives podcasts or uh franchises have this thing of when men get involved and what is appropriate what is not appropriate um this to me was not that big of a deal he didn't yell he was just like hey can you guys chill the fuck out around my wife and then he literally just walked away it wasn't like some intense moment he wasn't looking for a back and forth He said what he said, and he took a lap around the resort with Sonya. Um, Kenya's still harping on the fact that she felt like Sonya went out of her way to specifically invite her to the iFit thing and then uninvite her. And, like, like, do we care? Do we care this much? (laughs) Like, truly? I think they're really making a mountain out of a molehill here. Like, if Kenya wanted to go, she would have gone, right? They would have figured it out. We all know that it's not like you guys would have been stuck on that resort. You could have called an Uber. You could have told somebody in production. You could have hopped in a production van with the boom guy and got there if you really, really wanted to make it. Like, I don't know why we're making such a big deal out of this. And <sighs> I'm just like getting a little tired of Kenya again because I don't understand any of this. I really. <laughs> I don't understand any of what she's doing. Just, I'm just gesturing wildly at the whole thing. I don't understand what this is, but it's stupid, frankly. She's trying to throw out conspiracy theories, but guys, don't we think it's weird that Marlo, out of everybody, was the only one to show up to that iFit thing? And like trying to poke holes in Sonya's story. Candy's trying to mitigate this whole situation by saying it was just a miscommunication. She was working. When you're in the moment, you know, as somebody who makes beats and and gets bags because of them, when you're in the moment working, you're not necessarily like looking to be on your phone and trying to figure things out. So let's just let it go, right? Ross, Sonia's husband, says in a confessional that in the moment that he stood up for Sonia, he looked at his wife and saw her drowning. And then anytime he sees that, he's going to stand up for her and he'll drown on her behalf. Mm, 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 mm. Candy even goes back and is like, what really is the problem? Because at the end of the day, you guys ended up on that boat. It seemed like y'all had a great time. So yeah, you know. And then Kenya goes, well, we did have a good time. But I just don't understand why Sonia didn't try to call us from the boat and like check in with us. And it's like, okay, girl, like you're really, really doing too much. Did you want her to send a messenger pigeon? Did you want her to like do Morse code to the captain? Like what really, like we're, this is so extra for what you would have been standing there watching her uh, do a thing. And maybe you would have made a connection. But again, if you wanted to do it that badly, just do it. Just go there. So then we get to the end of the dinner. <laughs> the guy's having to pick up Drew's wheelchair because the uh, pathway to get from the dinner to the parking lot was just cobblestone. They were calling themselves the pallbearers. Every one of them got a wheel to help her. Uh, Drew, of course. Of course, Drew Sedora would make this moment where she ended up rupturing her Achilles heel during a fake race with Marlo Hampton sitting up there in a rented wheelchair saying, I feel like Beyonce in this moment, (laughs) the delusion. And that's why we need to keep Drew. Later, Sheree gets a call from the woman who I guess is helping her with her designs for her uh, fashion presentation, if you will. We're three weeks out from this presentation. Sheree says she's sweating. 
she is sweating those vacation braids right on out. She's worried about that deadline. She said that she's got this venue that she has in mind that she um, has had to change the date for already. So everything's just like up in the air right now. And I'm, I'm nervous. Like, as I'm talking right now, I am nervous for this fashion presentation. And it's already happened. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hey, folks, I'm Mark Marin from the WTF Podcast, and this episode is brought to you by Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues, your ally to help tackle your allergy symptoms this season. I love the change of seasons, but nobody loves pollen and all those other things floating in the air that make you sneeze during this nice weather. Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues are hypoallergenic and allergist approved. So fight back against watery eyes and runny noses without worrying about irritating your skin. For this allergy season, grab Kleenex and face allergies head on. And this is why it's a great show. <laughs> there's there's the anticipation for something that we know has already happened. And I'm like scared for Sheree right now. The next morning, Sonia has to go to do her iFit shoot again. So she lets everybody know again, very clearly, like she did the first time, where she's going. People are all welcome as an open invitation to go there if they should choose to be there and then we see a little text bubble pop up on the screen with Sonia texting Marlo to be like hey girl can you act as host while I'm gone now I'm not thinking anything until we see Marlo act as the host to the people who are left and that's Candy and Kenya the two people who were fucking with her the absolute least so I don't know what Sonia was thinking (laughs) Maybe she didn't get the menu mem- memo ugh, memo on ca- Candy being done with her. <sighs> Sad. Sad. Or poor Marlo. Not poor Marlo. I mean, Marlo walked herself into this situation, but Marlo is uh, trying her best to be light and bright, and they are paying her absolute Jamaican dust, okay? Don't want to hear. <laughs> Truly so funny. It's rare that we see Candy be in, like, kind of mean girl mode and I'm loving it. Kenya decides not to go to this iFit filming, but Sheree decides to go. Didn't matter because apparently we find out that her, uh, they got lost. And so she gets to Sonia at the very end of the filming. She's excited and they're able to have a conversation about what may or may not be going on between Sonia and Kenya. Sonia says that she basically feels like Kenya's, not being nice to her anymore because she is becoming friends with Marlo. And on top of that, Sonia's feeling like she's made a lot of concessions for Kenya and she feels like that would not be reciprocated and has not been reciprocated by Kenya. So Sonia goes to, she turns to Sherry and says, do you really think that when Kenya was on Dancing with the Stars that she would have called any one of you? Absolutely not. She would have been on that stage twirling, not thinking about any one of us. Okay, so absolutely not. Sheree gives Sonia advice by telling her to just shut it down with Kenya. And unless she does that or until she does that, Kenya is going to keep coming for her over and over and over again. Like Michael Myers keeps coming for Jamie Lee Curtis all these decades, you know, like that. So shut it down, Sonia. Shut it down. Everybody goes to have lunch and as they're eating, they're eating in this like beautiful location, but there are trees above. So branches above all of this, this table that they're eating on. So Moneta is the first one to notice that the birds are active. Okay. They've taken their, you know, to reference Jamie Lee Curtis again, they've taken their Activia yogurt for the day and they're letting the chopper spray 
all over their lunch, all over the napkins. Todd's getting hit. Um, everybody's getting it. Okay. So they decide, you know, maybe this isn't the best place to eat our food. Everybody except for my girl, Candy, who decides that the best way to avoid getting the birds to directly shit on her food is to just stand up and put the plate as close to her mouth as possible. You know, that's efficiency. And that's why she never misses a beat or a bag. She's always solving problems. And especially when it comes to consuming food. And that's another reason why I respect Candy Burris. <laughs> Candy and Kenya are still actively avoiding Marlo at this time. And so Marlo gets Sheree and Monietta aside to have a talk with them about where she was coming from when she got into it with Candy. So she's saying that she just, I feel like we're moving the goalposts a little bit here, but this part I can understand from Marlo. I just wish that she had said it earlier. So she says that the issue she had with Candy was that Candy had said stuff about Michael and Will, yum, her nephews, in front of people who didn't know the full story. So she felt like that was the issue. Would I be willing to believe that this is an issue that, you know, after several conversations with other people, Marlo has decided is the issue? Yeah, I would think that that might be true. But I think it's a fair thing. Like, if you're really going to be upset, you got to find something real to be upset about. And I can understand, okay, it wasn't everybody's business for you to be saying that at the table. Okay, fine. Shree kind of plays offense and is like, yeah, you know, maybe Candy inserted herself in that conversation when she didn't need to. But it's, we could say the exact same thing about Marlo inserting herself into whatever was going on with Ralph and uh, Drew's son and the adoption, right? Um, so the cast leader goes rafting, which I think is a generous term for what we did. It was more like a gondola than anything else. It was, we're not getting strapped in for safety here. We're getting strapped in. I don't know, like the water didn't seem that deep. It just seemed all very low stakes, which is no shade to me. Like I would much rather have been doing that. Put pop a life jacket on me and strap me to a seat. And then you can do all the work. No problem with me. Actually, frankly, ideal. If this was rafting, I'd, I'd be rafting every weekend. But everybody's getting paired off in these rafts two by two. So Sheree is actually paired up with Kenya. So Sheree tries to tell Kenya she feels like she and Sonia need to have a conversation, but then Kenya reveals that she feels some type of way because in her words, Ross was being aggressive and cursing at them the night before. Like the way she's telling it was like they got into it or at least Ross was trying to get into it with her. And I, I even Sheree did not agree with that. Um, I think the truth was, and maybe we can make it fair this way is if, there is a single woman who's alone and there's another woman and they're getting into it. And then one woman's husband gets into it with the single woman. Maybe that's not fair because she's like left to fend for herself, but okay. Let's just say that and not call him aggressive. I don't think that what he was doing was aggressive, but I also have like, I know I am not as, um, I don't want to call people sensitive. I'm just not as uh, passionate about the idea of men not yelling at women. And like a lot of people don't like Tom Sandoval because they feel like he yells at women. But from my perspective, I think the women that he were yelling at were like Lala, Kristen Doty and Stassi. You know, we put it into perspective (laughs) makes a little bit more sense. Then everybody's getting ready for the last night, the last dinner, and Monietta goes to have a conversation with Candy. So we remember Monietta's friends with Candy, and she's coming on the show because of their friendship, right? Um, so they're having a conversation, and she, Monietta's telling Candy about the conversation he had with Marlo and how Marlo felt some type of way about her revealing information about the nephews, right? But Candy is basically just like, cut the bullshit. 
Marlo's always going into her trauma when she gets called out for stuff. I'm not trying to hear that. We're going to flashbacks from seven weeks ago when she's talking about how she was mad at Candy for not being there because she was a foster kid. And Candy's like, girl, that has nothing to do with anything. And, you know, there, there have been a lot of instances of that. So Mignetta tells Candy that she just feels like maybe Marlo has some new things to say. And she felt like Candy was coming for her. But Candy was like, I was just telling my truth. And I was calling out the hypocrisy of her coming for Ralph when she gave up her nephews. So once they all get to the dinner table, Moneta points to Candy that, oh, excuse me, uh, Marlo actually realizes that she and Candy are wearing the same top, the same Alexander McQueen top, but in different colors. So Candy's like, oh God, this bitch. (laughs) Of all the people I had to match with, of course it had to be Marlo, right? something about it as a fashion girl just hearing that these like black women and then kenya then kenya comes to the table late of course and she's like oh you guys have that top i almost got it too i just love the idea of like these these fabulous black women wearing um alexander mcqueen on a vacation like something about that is just really fun for me everybody gets settled down and sonia has the cast go around the table and talk about what they're most fun favorite time of the uh, trip was marlo tries to have this like sister circle moment with sheree because sheree had recorded on her phone the video of marlo and uh, uh drew racing and in the video you can hear sheree cheering marlo on like go marlo go marlo go and so marlo's making this big speech about how nice that was to be supported and how when she's feeling down in the future she's gonna look back at that video and hear Sheree supporting her and that's gonna be a great time for her (laughs) and Sheree's like yeah girl I was cheering for you and if anybody tells you that it was because I put money on you winning that race don't listen to them girl we're sisters (laughs) Sheree then brings up the fact that Marla wants to apologize to Candy And Marlo's like, I just want to own up to my part, Candy. Do you understand why I went so crazy and below the belt? And Candy just rolls her eyes and goes, "Mm -hmm. mm-hmm, mm-mm, I don't. So Marlo then tries to say that Candy was telling her business in front of people who didn't know it. And that was wrong. And Candy's like, listen, I don't even want to, like, talk about your nephews. That really wasn't the point. I don't want to speak on them. I love them. I was just trying to talk about or point out the hypocrisy of you going in on Ralph when you did the same thing. And there's truth to what I said, but there's no truth to what you said, Marlo, about my husband. When Marlo said that uh, Candy chose Mama Joyce over Todd. And like, how do you do that when you're married to somebody? So Candy, in fairness, is like, okay, Marlo, if you feel some type of way about me revealing information that wasn't public knowledge, I can apologize for that. But I just felt like you were going really hard on Ralph when Ralph wasn't in a position of defending himself without looking like a man yelling at a woman again and him being the aggressor. And so the interesting thing about this is that the camera pans over to Kenya and she's nodding in agreement like she didn't just accuse Ross of being aggressive for getting into it with her quote-unquote girl and then candy says that she basically feels like marlo can say whatever she wants but people can't say anything to her and then she looks at marlo and says i'm not michelle obama when you go low i'm going lower (laughs) and oh i love that um Todd just makes a comment of like, okay, if you next time you guys go low, can you just leave me the fuck out of it? And Marlo's like, look, he's being aggressive. I don't like that. Look at the way he's talking to me. And Candy's like, yeah, see, that was the point I was trying to make about Ralph. Exactly. Um, so Marlo tells Todd that he needs to wait until she gets a man around before he like tries to come for her and curse at her. <laughs> and then Marlo tells Candy listen I'll support you anything you've got going on I will do that I have no problem with it and Candy's like I have no problem supporting you either I'll do the same and then Marlo says you know I just hope that in any situation you don't bring up Michael and William in public in front of people I don't know and I won't disrespect your husband ever again so Moneta and Sheree seem to agree that 
you know, good talk, guys. We really had a good talk. Neither of this has anything to do with them, but okay. Um, Marlo says in a confessional, this isn't over. This conversation that she had with Candy did not fix the beef that they have with her. That's going to have to happen on its own time, but we'll move on. So now that that's like resolves, sort of, uh, Sonia decides that this would be the moment for her to confront Kenya. And she accuses of Kenya, accuses Kenya of looking down at her phone every time Sonia speaks and basically being like Meredith Marks to the bullshit, like completely disengaged from whole situa- the whole situation. Kenya tries to turn this around on Sonia and be like, oh, see, I see your egos coming out. And then Sonia and Kenya get into an argument as to whether or not the other one needs to be listening while the other is speaking. There was some clapping involved. You listen to me when I'm speaking. Don't talk. That whole thing. It was a shit show. Really didn't go anywhere. Kenya tells Sonia that her attitude is in the toilet. And Sonia says, well, I feel like we started off really good, but every time I try to get an answer out of you, you just try to wiggle out of it. And then Kenya tells Sonia that she can't have this conversation with her anymore because she can't work in the realm of abstract thought. And that Sonia is not being articulate enough. She's not really saying what is going on. And and Sonia says, okay, here's the thing. Every time I try to call you out, you do the Kenya. And so Kenya says, did I twirl? Did I say I'm gone with the wind, honey? <laughs> I love that Kenya is fully willing to admit that there is a Kenya and that that's just like calling yourself Beyonce and saying you're gone with the wind fabulous. Even now, after all these years. Sonia really could have had this fight, but then when she points out the fact that Kenya was disrespectful when she hung up on her, like before the the uh, trip, when Sonia reached out to say, oh, you can invite whatever it is going to be a couple's trip. <laughs> And Kenya hung up on her. Kenya says, okay, but I thought we resolved that. I thought I apologized for that. What have I done since then? And then Sonia's like, taps her forehead with her fingers and goes, oh, I have to think. Girl, you had it. You have excuses. You have, how about she showed up two hours late to your, like, uh, Sonia's life journey trip? How about, uh, she went in on you about this uh, iFit meeting when that was not the case. And she's calling you out in front of everybody for being rude when that wasn't the case. You have two great examples. And yet now it's like, oh, I've got to think, girl, this is not the fight for you. So Kanye, Kenya says, Sonia, please, for the love of God, when we talk about it and we decide we're going to move forward or something, can we just move forward? Sonia says in a confessional, I don't know what I'm thinking in this moment. Like, I could be going in on her right now in Jamaica. Like, why am I not reading her down in Jamaica for filth? Why am I not doing that? And I think the whole world wants an answer to that, Sonia. Why aren't you? Why aren't you? (laughs) 